1: Good afternoon and welcome to Salt to Soul And wonderful to be with you this Wednesday afternoon A very special time of the year right now As we are celebrating the festival of Sukkot And it really is a magnificent time in our calendar And a time of great simcha, time of great joy um, And something that we, please God, will all connect to The joy of Sukkot, which we'll talk a little bit about I'm actually... Broadcasting to you live from my sukkah um, So I hope the sound's okay, you can hear me There might be some background noises You certainly can hear the beautiful birds chirping And uh, that's what our requirement is Is that we do everything in the sukkah For this week of sukkahs, of sukkot And uh, that's part of the mitzvah Which we're going to be discussing in a moment Um, There are many beautiful mitzvahs that we fulfill at this time. Uh, Certainly this month of Tishrei, it's called in the Midrash, Chodesh HaEitanim. It's the month of the strong ones, the powerful ones. What does it mean, the powerful ones? It means these powerful festivals that um, are present in this month of Tishrei. And we start Tishrei off with Rosh Hashanah, where we cry out with the shofar, and we remind ourselves... That maybe we strayed off the path and we have not been cognizant of the Melech Malchem Lachim of our King and we lived, have lived a life and a year that we in certain areas maybe weren't in sync with the um, desires and with the um, purpose of the King in this world, with fulfilling the purpose for which the King created the world. So we realize that maybe we strayed in some ways or in many ways. And so Rosh Hashanah is a great alarm call. It's a great awakening to bring us back to the service of the King. And we have a serenity made the 10 days of repentance, where we begin to address that very all-important issue in our lives, or am I really a servant of the King, and where in my life have I strayed from the service of the King, and how can I repair that? Those are the serenity made and when we do shuva, we repent, and we return back to the service of the king. Yom Kippur is that very powerful, intense, magnificent day in which we try and um, focus on our shortcomings and we ask Hashem to forgive us and we fast. And the fasting and the um, tshuva that we do um, are a very powerful formula. Hashem says, if you do those things—the chamishinuim, the five afflictions—that we observe on Yom Kippur, as well as um, as well as doing tshuva, so that wipes the slate clean. That ensures that we will have a new beginning, which is a great chesed, a tremendous kindness of Hashem, that Hashem allows us to do these small things of fasting and of not doing melacha and of doing the other the other restrictions on Yom Kippur. And Hashem then cleanses our souls. Our souls are stained with marks and with, um, with terrible stains that are as a result of our averas in the year. Hashem says, if you fast on Yom Kippur and if you um, go through the other afflictions on Yom Kippur so and do tshuva and repent, so I will wipe that slate clean. I will cleanse you on the shamas." I'll remove those deep stains from Yom HaShemah. What a tremendous chesed. What an unbelievable kindness that is that Hashem offers us. What a great deal. Hashem gives us the opportunity to cleanse and to purify ourselves and to start again. And that is the the great experience of Yom Kippur, which was last week, last Wednesday, exactly a week ago. We went through that very moving, powerful um and a uh, life-changing experience of Yom Kippur. And after that, there's a tremendous shift. Um, as our sages explain it, there's the first ten days of Tishrei, our Chuvah Mi'ira, our returning to Hashem Mi'ira from, from awe and reverence of Hashem, from fear of the judgment. We know that we're being judged. Hashem looks at us all, starting with Rosh Hashanah and ending with Yom Kippur. Hashem opens up the case and looks at every single individual and determines whether we have a place, whether we have a function, whether we have the merit of continuing another year in God's world. That's a very frightening prospect and frightening thought for all of us and we try to work hard in order to show Hashem that we still do have a place in His world and we still do have a function um, in serving Hashem. And uh, then from Yom Kippur Where our fate is sealed It switches From Tshuva Miura To Tshuva Mi Ava tshuva from love And now we've reconnected with Hashem We've recreated that relationship That maybe we neglected in the year And we Enjoy that new connection And we enjoy that closeness And that love And that bond That we have now regenerated with Hashem and that's what the sukkah represents. The sukkah represents our entering into Hashem's embrace. As the Arizal says, the minimum size of the sukkah, Sh'naim ke shishafid tefach, that the, um, the minimum size is an amma by an amma and a tefach, which represents a, a, an embrace of a human being. Shoulder to elbow is an amma, elbow to wrist is an amma, and then a tefach is the hand. So the minimum size of Sukkot is an embrace because the sukkah is the embrace of God. In the Sukkot we enter into the Dalad Amus of Hashem, Kivriyacho. We enter into Hashem's presence and Hashem's love and the Makom, the place of the Shechinah, of the Divine Presence. That is the beauty and that is the power of Sukkot. And that is the Simcha of Sukkot. The Arizal says, there are a number of Torah mitzvahs we fulfill in Sukkot. We fulfill the Torah mitzvah of dwelling in the sukkah. We fulfill the Torah mitzvah of the Arab Minim, of the four species, the Lulav and the Etrok and the hadas and the Arava, that we bring together. And there's also another very important mitzvah on Sukkot, and that is Vesamachta B'Chagecha by Ach The Torah says that you must rejoice on your festival, and then you will be happy. We are obligated to rejoice on Sukkot. The Arizal, well, Rashi says that why does it say b'chagecha, Rejoice on your festival, and then you will be happy. The Rashi says the second part of the of the pasuk seems to be verbose, seems to be extra. He says because it's a haftachah, it's a promise from Hashem that if we rejoice on the festival of Sukkot, so then we will um, have true joy in our lives. And the Arizal says an incredible thing: the great and holy Kabbalist. Rav um Yitzhak Luria, the Ari Zikronavrocha, so who, who lived in the sixteenth century in Svat. So he had a Gilui Minashamaim the Arizal um would often be um, given the privilege of learning with a malach of a of a spiritual creature that came from from above, a spiritual force, and those malach, that Malachim would reveal to the Arizal many deep secrets of the Torah. And many deep, deep secrets of the universe And the Kabbalistic system um, And our tradition is that The Malach had a gilui To the Arizal And he said to him That a person who rejoices Sincerely and properly On Sukkot Will have a year filled with rejoicing A year of simcha And a year of no sorrow That was That's what the uh, Malach revealed to the Arizal so it's uh, therefore a very important thing for us all to focus on what is the proper rejoicing on Sukkot. How do we fulfill so the Samach the Bechagecha Sameach? So the basic understanding of that is that we appreciate what it means to enter into the Sukkah. We appreciate now that we've regenerated our relationship with Hashem. And we now have this week to be close to Hashem, to revel in Hashem's presence, to feel Hashem's closeness, to enter into that Sukkah. Uh, as I'm sitting right now, in the flimsy structure of the sukkah, which represents Hashem's closeness, which represents Hashem's love, which represents Hashem's embrace. And we sincerely appreciate that. We sincerely rejoice over that. We sincerely feel the the privilege and the thrill and the inspiration of that, of being close to Hashem, of being in Hashem's protection, under the Sraq, which is called Sila de Mehem Nusa, the shade of faith, as we sit under Hashem's protection, that is the greatest joy for any human being in this world. And if one connects to that real Simcha and joy, and that love that they have with Hashem, that closeness to Hashem, so that will be a promise that it should be a year filled with Simcha and a year of no sorrow. Um, So that is a a bit of a taste into the Simcha we should all be feeling in this beautiful festival of Sukkot. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxteen on 101.9 High FM
1: We're talking about the beautiful festival of Sukkot and the joy that we're all supposed to feel and experience on Sukkot and the representation of the Sukkah being the place of Hashem and the Closeness and relationship we have with Hashem, and that's why we are required after the intense period of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and having recreated our relationship with Hashem, we now have a week to enjoy that relationship, to to savor that relationship, to revel in that closeness, and then we go back to the year. Of course, we have to go back to normal, we have to go back to our houses and our normal routines. But from this, these 22 days of Tishrei are now the foundation of our new year. This is the new foundation that we built, uh, having returned to Hashem and having spent this close time with Hashem in the Sukkah. And now we're ready to go and live out the year, building on that foundation of having reconnected and feeling Hashem's great closeness and Hashem's great love. And there are many halachas actually that. Um, that um, reinforce this and that are built around this concept. So, for example, the halacha is that the first Mishnah in Sukkah says, me esrim psula. A Sukkah that the walls are higher than 20 amos, which is about 10 meters, that Sukkah is going to be possible. Why is it that a Sukkah with such high walls is possible? It's not a kosher Sukkah. So, the Gemara says, and the Mishnah brings it to That a wall that's above 20 amos already becomes a very solid, stable structure. It's no longer a temporary structure, but you have to build solid foundations, and it has to be, um, in order to be that high, as high as 10 meters, the the wall has to be very well built and structurally very sound. Um, And the requirement of a sukkah is a diras araya, temporary dwelling. So if your wall is going to be that high, it's going to be a permanent wall, but the sukkah is supposed to be temporary. So therefore the walls have to be lower than 20 amas in the sukkah. Um, in order that we fulfill the requirement, that we have to leave our permanent dwelling and we have to dwell in a temporary dwelling. So the sukkah is temporary by nature. Um, and that's in order that we realize that our safety and our security... In life, doesn't come from our edifices, doesn't come from our castle and our mansion and our grand buildings. Our safety and security comes from Hashem. So That's a very powerful statement we're making by leaving the comfort of our homes and leaving the security of our homes and entering into this flimsy structure where there's barely more shade than sun. That's a requirement for the sukkah also. The walls have to be below 20 amas of walls. The schach has to be tilasa marub mihamasa, more shade than sun. But as I'm sitting right now in my sukkah, I'm looking up at my beautiful schach. I see there, you know, there are gaps and the sun's coming. I definitely have more shade than sun, but the sun comes through. It's a, it's a temporary structure. It's a very vulnerable structure. It's vulnerable to rain. It's vulnerable to heat. Um, and so the sukkah is by nature. A temporary structure, and it has to be that way. And that is the statement we're making. We're leaving the so-called safety, protection and security of our buildings, of our homes, and entering into the slumsy structure. Because the slimsy structure represents Hashem, represents God. The schach is called tsila Demeh the shade of faith. The schach represents the Ananea Kavod, the clouds of glory. That's actually another reason why the Sukkah's gotta be below 20 amos says the Gemara, that the walls can't be higher than 10 meters, because you need to be able to see the schach all the time, even in your periphery vision. You you If it's above 10 meters, um, it goes out of our periphery vision. Below 10 meters, it still is in our periphery vision. So even if you're looking at somebody, and you're sitting down at the sukkah, you still have an awareness of the schach above you, because the schach is not so high that it's out of sight. And that is a requirement for the sukkah, because... As long as we're sitting in the sukkah, we repos- we're remembering, we're seeing the schach, and we're remembering the ananei hakavod, the clouds of glory, because the schach, the coverings of the sukkah, represents those clouds that Hashem surrounded the Jewish people with in the midbar in the desert. Hashem sent these six cla- uh, clouds of glory, ananei hakavod, and they protected the Jewish people while they were in the desert. That was Hashem's protection. Um and uh we remember that. We remember that the Jewish people were protected by Hashem through those clouds of glory. We sit in the sukkah and it's Hashem's protection that is our stability, that is our security, that is our long term investment. Is Hashem is closeness to God, is God's protection. So the houses which seem to be solid and stable and um, and could stand up to the forces of nature, well, that is just a facade. The real protection doesn't come from the safety of your bricks and mortar in your house. The real protection comes from Hashem. And that's what stepping into the sukkah symbolizes. And that's why we we think about that, all of sukkahs. We we dwell in the sukkah like we dwell in our homes. It says, the sukkahs, the Torah says, you should dwell seven days. And the Gemara says, You dwell in the sukkah like you dwell in your house. So we do everything in the sukkah. We eat, we drink, we sleep. We, yes, we're supposed to sleep in the sukkah. Um, we, If we're learning, for example, now I'm on high FM, I'm doing it from the sukkah. Everything that we would usually do in our house, we do in our sukkah. Um, because it's these seven days that we are meditating over, that we're thinking constantly, that we're integrating this concept, that our protection... And our safety and our eternity comes from our connection to Hashem and not from our material success and our material bounty and our material possessions. We leave those behind. We enter into the sukkah and we enter into God's place and God's space and we realize that that is our true safety and protection and that is our true joy. And that's what we referred to earlier, that the simcha we're supposed to connect to the real simcha of Sukkot, is that is the greatest simcha. When we realize that Hashem runs the world, and that our relationship with Hashem is our eternity, that is the greatest simcha a human being can feel. Because we then shred off the shackles of materialism, we allow the soul to be free, and we feel a tremendous sense of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of meaning, of purpose, of accomplishment, when we connect to Hashem, when we make that leap. And realize that, as God is in control of the world, and if we think God is not in control of the world, but we're in control of the world, it shows that we 're completely out of touch with reality. Um, I was speaking to a very successful businessman recently, and uh, he was saying to me that you know he sees God very clearly in his business dealings, and God is in control. I say that 's an amazing thing. And, and I'm you know, it's an amazing realization. So he said to me, it's not an amazing, it's just common sense. You know, if you don't see that, you don't see reality. So I said to him, well, a lot of people don't have common sense. But it's, uh, that is the truth, that God is in full control of the world and full control of our lives. And nobody knows what the next five minutes will bring. And they could bring anything. Anything can happen that's out of our control and that's in God's control. And when we come to that realization, when we understand that very deeply within our being, that is an unbelievable liberation. And that is something that brings us a connection to eternity and a sense of of tranquility in our lives. And a sense of understanding and of of the ability to surrender to Hashem and the ability to live a life with a connection to Hashem, which is the most beautiful thing and the greatest simcha. And that's why Sukkot is man Senu is the time of our Simcha. So even the building of the sukkah, the walls have to be uh, below twenty amos because it's a temporary dwelling. The schach has to be within view because we're remembering constantly that they they symbolize. We're thinking all the time in the sukkah about the Ananayah covered, the clouds of glory with which Hashem protected the Jewish people in the desert, and that's also why the schach can't be made. Of something that's makabel tumah. What does it mean, makabel tumah? Makabel tumah means it is a vessel that can um, receive tumah. Tumah is is a is a certain state of spiritual impurity, and tumah is only chal. Tumah is only can only um, fall upon something that has a has a function, something that's got as what we call a shame Kli, that is a utensil that has a purpose. If it's just a natural product it can't be mukabultumma. So so any natural produce is not tuma, any leaves or branches or or um you know twigs are not mukab So the shakh, the cover of the sukkah has to be natural produce that's disconnected from its source of growth, has to be cut off from its source of growth, and it's a natural produce because it can't be tuma. The reason being is because it represents the anani the clouds of glory. Represents the shina. The divine presence. And those are things that are not tumah. There's no tumah, um, in Hashem. There's no impurity with Hashem. So therefore the shach. and also we can't even tie the shach down with something that's tumah. We can't use string or we can't use cable tie. So you can use the, you can tie. And also we don't, we try not to put the schach on a frame of metal. We put the schach on pieces of wood. The wood, it's, that wood you can tie down with cable ties or string, but the schach itself you can't tie with cable ties or string because of the Kabdur. So that's again the same message of the divine presence. The Slaq represents the divine presence, represents the unair covered and the clouds of glory. And interestingly enough, that was the time when the Jewish people were at their most secure. The Jewish people were at the state of their greatest sense of security and safety and protection was when they were in the desert. Desert is a place where nothing grows. The desert is a place where there's no water. The desert where the Jewish people were for 40 years, we, they were surrounded by enemies that wanted to destroy them, that were jealous of them. Yet, we felt our most secure and our most safe when we were in the desert, when we were um, in that situation because we were surrounded by the clouds of glory, because we were surrounded by, we had Hashem's protection. And so that's the lesson for the Jewish people for all eternity, is that our real safety and security comes through our connection to eternity, comes through our closeness to God, our connection to God, our um, entering into God's um, embrace and God's bubble, so to speak, so God will protect us. And that's what the Sukkah is. We enter into God's space, into, into this little bubble that represents God's protection, and that is our simcha, that is our joy, and that is our our um, purpose as a Jew, to live in that way and, and to live with that awareness, to live tachas, kanfei, hashchina. And so our sukkah, there are halachic requirements in terms of the building of the sukkah. So the the one I've mentioned is that the walls have to be below 20 hours, below 10 meters, that there has to be more shade than sun, that the s'chach has to be of pure natural material that has to be disconnected from its source of growth. Um, one of the, the the most common psulim I find in sukkahs, one of the most common pitfalls that people stumble in in a sukkah is that often the walls are not solid enough. So the more solid, the better, actually. So even though we said it got, it's going to be low 20 amos, but if it's a solid wall, that is better. So if it's, even if it's a brick wall or if it's, you know, wood boards or whatever it may be, um, often people use material or canvas for the walls, and that could very easily not be kosher, because if the material, the canvas, uh, blows in the wind more than three tfokhi, more than 24 centimeters, so that wall is not a kosher wall for the sukkah. And very often one finds that, that the, that the walls are not tied down firmly, and therefore they move in the wind more than 24 centimeters, that would be a that would actually disqualify the person's sukkah. You need at least three walls, Um, two walls next to each other. The third wall can even be just a small wall, a little bit of wall. That would be sufficient and kosher. But they have to be solid walls that don't blow more than 24 centimeters in the wind and connected to each other. Um, So that's just a a basic overview of the the laws of the sukkah. And uh, everybody should be building a sukkah. Everybody should be spending this next week in the sukkah and trying to connect to these concepts that we're talking about of entering into Hashem's space, of being close to Hashem, of realizing that our protection comes from the the ananei kavod the Hashem's presence, that's where true protection, and that's where true simcha lies for a human being in this world. So there's a very interesting kasha we can ask with regards to sukkas. The kasha, the question is, um, we've been talking now about these beautiful grand ideas that this world is temporary, that permanence is connection to God, that our material success and our material accomplishments are not what provide us with security in this world. It's God that provides us with security. So if that's the case, why is it that we enter into the sukkah and we're eating and we're drinking and we're celebrating in the sukkah? That seems to be a little bit of a contradiction. Isn't that the antithesis of what we're talking about? We're talking about a a, a spiritual experience experience connecting to eternity. Yet we're in the sukkah, we're eating and we're drinking and we're having a good time. Isn't that a contradiction to the whole Message and theme of the sukkah And uh, I heard a beautiful answer to this um, From Rabbi Yosef Elephant of the Mir Yeshiva And he explains that When we have the right perspective of life We then can partake in the physical world When we understand That the physical world is not an end in itself But rather only a vehicle And a means to an end So then we have full permission To enjoy the benefits of the physical world as long as it's in the right perspective, as long as it's in the correct framework. So, in the sukkah, we are understanding. We're leaving our homes. We're entering to the sukkah. We're understanding that it's through God's protection that we um, we have true security, and through being close to God is that's the purpose and the joy of life. Um, once we have that perspective, then we can indulge in the pleasures of the physical world. Of course, we don't want to overindulge. We don't want to. Be, Gluttonous and we don't want to be, behave in an inappropriate way, God forbid But we we enjoy the delicious food that Hashem has created in this world And we enjoy the delicious drinks And we enjoy um, the company of good friends and family in the sukkah Um, Because we now have this broader overall perspective And we're able to partake in the physical world in the way it's meant to be We're able to elevate the physical world And that becomes part of our understanding of life and that it's just a means to an end, not an end in and of itself. And that is the reason why on Sukkos we are, are able to um, still enjoy those physical benefits of the world because we understand what they're doing. They're just part of of our life and of our existence in this world. And they're there in order to connect us to, to God. they order they in order to elevate us and enable us to live a life of purpose and of meaning and spirituality, and we say uh, we enjoy the delicious food, and it's within the context of serving God, of being under God's protection, of entering into God's space in the Sukkah. So it's therefore not a contradiction, but on the contrary, it's we elevate the physical world when we approach it in the right way, with the right perspective, and unlike most of the world, sees the physical world as an Indian self. The purpose of life is to make money and to enjoy this world, and that's why we what we're doing here. Um, the Jewish view is very different to that. Jewish view is the material world is a means and a vehicle through which to serve, to live in this world, and to serve Hashem and to bring God's light and God's holiness into this world. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM.
1: We've been discussing the beautiful mitzvah of the sukkah, of dwelling in the sukkah, of what that means and symbolizes and the concepts we should be thinking about and integrating into our lives these seven days of sukkot and our obligation to dwell in the sukkah for these seven days, eat, drink, sleep, and all the activities we usually do in our house, we now transfer them over to the sukkah in order to completely integrate these concepts and ideas that being under God's protection is our true security and our true joy in our lives. And once we've done that for the week, we're now ready for Simchas Torah. That's why the rabbis established the cycle of the reading of the Torah to end at the end of Sukkot. Once we've integrated this idea, once we're using the physical world as a means to get close to Hashem within the context of understanding the purpose of life and of connecting to eternity, so then we're able to understand And connect to the Torah in the right way So we have On uh, Sunday night And Monday is what we call Shemini Atzeris, Is the 8th day of the gathering So it's the last day The Midrash says Shemini Atzeris is that Hashem says I Hashem has a uh, The Midrash says like a marshal A parable that the king Has a big grand party to celebrate His birthday and invites all The uh, Kings from, and all of his friends and all of his family, and they all join him in celebrating for a week and a grand banquet, and they enjoy their time together with great, um, celebration and, uh, and, uh, enjoyment. And then everybody goes, it's over, it's very sad and disappointing. And the king says to his beloved, to his closest friend, he says, stay one more day. Your S- uh, my separation from you is difficult for me it's sad for me So please just stay one more day So that's what Hashem says to Klai Yisrael On Sukkot Klai Yisrael bring Korbanos for all of the nations um, Hashem says to the Jewish people Stay one more day And on Shemini Yatzer We've been a Korban Single Korban for Klai Yisrael That's the last day of closeness Between Hashem and and the Jewish people So that's Shmini And that coincides with Simchas Torah Israel it's one day in Chutzlar It's out of Israel In the diaspora it's two days and so on the second day, which is going to be Monday night and Tuesday, we complete the cycle of the reading of the Torah. So the Torah that we read every Shabbos, every Shabbos we read different parsha, different sedra, and that is completed um, in the year. There's a year cycle, and we complete that reading of the Torah on Simchas Torah, which will be Monday night and Tuesday, and we celebrate with the Torah. And it's the time when we finish learning the Torah. It's a seum of the Torah, completion of, of the cycle of the Torah, we end the last Pasha of Azoy and we start the new Pasha, Bereshis, and we do so with great celebration. And the celebration is not an excuse to get drunk, or an excuse to go crazy. That's missing the whole point. The celebration is understanding what the Torah means for us, having an appreciation of what the Torah does for us, how the Torah distinguishes us from the nations, Hashem selected us from the nations and gave us the Torah of truth. And that elevates us and that, that uplifts us and that turns us into holy beings and, and, uh, guides us to, instead of being sophisticated animals, just chasing after our desires, the Torah elevates us into holy creatures, into a human beings with the ability to control the physical world and to reach out to God and to fulfill, the, to serve God and fulfill his mitzvahs and become holy beings in this physical world. What an incredible thing. And that's through the guidance and through our connection and through the learning and through the observance of the Torah. And that's what we're celebrating. You don't need any alcohol for that. You're flying with those ideas and concepts. You hold that Torah and you feel what it means and how it transforms you as an individual and how it guides you in your life, and how it connects us to Hashem. It's the bridge between us and Hashem. That is the great Simcha of Simcha's Torah. So after the week of Sukkot, having gone through this week of integrating this concept of we've got a new relationship with Hashem, we revel in Hashem's closeness, we understand that Hashem's protection is what brings us security and joy in this world. Now we've detached ourselves sufficiently from the physical world, and we have the right perspective spiritually. Now we're ready to celebrate with the Torah. At the end of these seven days, now we can hold that Torah and understand what it means and connect to the depth and, and purpose that the Torah gives us in our lives. And we celebrate the completion of the, the reading of the Torah, the five books of the Torah. And we celebrate the beginning of the new of, uh, book. We go back to Beretius. We start all over again. And that is a grand, Celebration, it's a spiritual celebration. It's not a party, a wild party of alcohol and of intoxication. It's a spiritual celebration of the Jewish people's love for Hashem and connection with Hashem and appreciation that the Torah is our bridge to Hashem. That's what's going on on Simplest Torah and that's why Simplest Torah is now at this time of year. And it really is a beautiful holy time. And it's a, we honor people in the community, um, individuals that are worthy of these great honors of the, a certain person gets called up for the completion of Zoe Sabrocha, that's called Chassan Torah, which is a great honor to receive. And then another person gets, gets the first Aliyah of the new cycle of Bereshis. He's called Chassan Bereshis. And we usually give this to pious individuals who are Shomei mitzvahs, who keep God's mitzvahs, who are, are Avdey Hashem. Servants of the king And are, fulfill his observances And are people that Are committed to the service of Hashem Are committed to the learning of Torah Are committed to The um, contributing To Klal Yisrael in whichever way they can Whether it's financially or whether it's with their time Or whether it's with their um, Their involvement In the community And these are the kind of people That are worthy of these great honors Of Chassan Torah and, Barishis, and together as a community As Klai Yisrael We celebrate with them And we, so usually it's traditional That we celebrate We have a meal together Or a kiddish together In Marshall we're having a Simchas Torah Bra That's sponsored by the Hasen Torah And Hasen Barashis Which is a beautiful time And it's a beautiful um, uh, We pay great tribute to the Torah And to individuals that Are connected to the Torah And that have self-sacrifice In observing the Torah and we together as a community, as a family, celebrate over the great gift of the Torah that Hashem has given us. And that then is the end of this very powerful cycle um, of a series of Yomim Mim that we experienced from the beginning of Tishrei Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, um, and uh, finally Sheminiyat Tziratim Chos we end on a very high note and a grand celebration of the Torah. And now we're ready to face the year. Now we've built this new foundation upon which we go out into the year, upon which we you know, are involved in the world and in our lives and in making a living and in supporting our families and in trying to serve Hashem. Um, but with this foundation, with this new connection, we now are equipped to face that year and to move into the year with the right spiritual perspective and with the ability to remain connected to Hashem, even though we're going out into our activities of the year. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Sachstein on 101.9 High FM.
1: Thank you for joining us And it's been great to be with you On this beautiful Wednesday The first day As we sit in As I sit in my sukkah, And share with you Ideas about what the sukkah represents And what the power is Of this beautiful Yom Tov Called Sukkot And we'll end off With one final idea And that is um, One of the mitzvahs of Sukkot As I mentioned earlier Is the Arab Minim, The four species We commanded in the Torah To take these four different species We take a um, Kapos Tamarim, which is a willow, uh, a uh, palm branch, which is the lulav, and we take Anav Eitz Avos, which is the what we call the arava, and we take a pre Eitz Hadar, which is our esrog, and we take the willow, Arave nahal. um These four species that the Torah identifies, we take them, and we bind three of them together. So the lulav, the Um, palm branch is bound together with the myrtle, the hadas and the arava, the willow and in our other hand we take our etrog and we bring them all together and we say a blessing and we shake them, we first say the blessing, then we bring them together and we shake them in four different directions north, east, south, west in that order and then up and down, just the six different uh, directions and by doing so it brings great light and great power to the positive spiritual forces in the world and it does damage and weakens the negative spiritual forces in the world these are all very deep Kabbalistic ideas and that's uh, our obligation but there is also other references to the four species they also represent four types of Jews that we bring together and they also represent the human body so the Lulab represents the spine of a human being and because it's, it's a long a, a, the shape of the spine a long palm branch, um, and the hadasim, the myrtle represents the eyes at the shape of the eyes of a person, the Arava, the willow represents the lips of a person, which are also the shape of the lips, the leaves. And finally the esrog represents the heart of a person, the shape of a heart of a human being. And it symbolizes that we take all of our senses and we bring them together in the service of Hashem. The churchmoisa with all of my abo- bones, they cry out and say, who is like you, Hashem? That's what King David writes. So we, with all of our senses, we channel the the uh, functioning of our senses, which are a gift from above, a gift from Hashem, and we channel them in the service of Hashem. And that is symbolized by the four species. And in fact, it says that if we um, do that properly with the right kavanas. So even though we may have sinned with our senses by doing the mitzvah of our Berminim with love and with devotion and with inspiration, so that is a tikkun for the avairas that we've done with our senses. That cleanses our senses, even if we maybe looked at things that we shouldn't have looked at or said things that we shouldn't have said or did things that we shouldn't have done with our body, that's the spine, and finally with our heart, we we felt things we shouldn't have felt. In other words, we were drawn after certain desires with the, with the heart. So that's one of the mitzvahs of Sukkot is that we take all of our senses, all of our actions, the functioning of a human being and we channel it in the service of Hashem in order to fulfill the commandments of the king, in order to fulfill the will of the king. And that is a very powerful part of what we do on Sukkot. And that's also a great joy that we display That we use our life and the gift of life that Hashem has given us in the service of Hashem. We channel it in the service of the King of Hashem. So wishing everybody a good moed. And please God we should connect to the depth and beauty of this wonderful festival. And please God it should be a foundation, a platform for us to live a year that's filled with Hashem's blessings. A year that is dedicated to the service of the King. A year of holiness, a year of light, a year of joy. A year of blessings A good mood to all And have a good Shabbos And a beautiful Yom Tov Of Shemini Siris And Simchas Tzerah. Thank you so much for listening And have a wonderful day